Welcome to the 10-Minute Gaming Podcast, the podcast where you can get the best short and sweet conversations about video games. I'm your host, Will Dowell, and joining me today is Steven, writer for 100 Word Game Reviews, game designer at Red Meat Games, contributor at the satirical gaming site Hard Drive, and partner at Canadian Game Devs. How are you doing, Steven? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for asking. I woke up 10 minutes ago when my phone notified me I had to record this. Uh, feeling really great on this Saturday morning. Fantastic. So today we're going to be talking about Donut County. So can you kind of give us the overview of it, Stephen? Absolutely. Um, in Donut County, you play a hole in the ground that gets bigger as you move it around and make things fall into it. There are some really simple puzzles that play off that mechanic and build over the course of the game, which is about three to four hours. And uh, yeah, there's an encyclopedia of items that have really funny descriptions of each item that you make fall into the hole, and there's a really cute story and cast of characters. Oh, nice. And I've heard that the game has almost like a metaphorical uh, message over the um, through both the game and its creation. Yeah, so there's a really interesting story to Donut County that a lot of people don't know. Um, the game was developed by Ben Esposito. He's an American game designer who's been working in the indie space for a while. Uh, but the game originally started as a game called Kachina. He wanted to use the same mechanic that's in the final game to explore the culture of the Native American Hopi tribe. Uh, there's a really interesting piece by John Walker in Rock, Paper, Shotgun called Hopi Less, How Kachina Became Donut County, which I'd encourage people to recommend. Uh, it explores how Esposito fought for years against criticism of his prototype and believing he could just consult you know, the right native person or find the right theme or something he could do to the game that would make the Hopi people less critical of him trying to essentially appropriate their culture as an aesthetic in the game. This is what became the game's story in a way. Uh, there's a raccoon who's sort of the main character moving all the holes around named BK. As the game goes on, BK keeps sending more holes to more people trying to help them with different problems. But he ends up just swallowing everything around them and eventually them and they fall into the abyss and end up in this cavernous, weird, sprawling area with the other townspeople. And uh, the game is sort of told from the perspective of these people around a campfire trying to figure out what happened. Almost like a uh, game post-mortem, funny enough. Uh, and by the end of the game, BK kind of realizes that as he was trying to help all these people, he was really just hurting them. And, you know, he was essentially doing to the creatures in Donut County what Ben, the designer, was doing to this culture and people in real life. And so there's this great quote I love in the piece where Esposito says he learned that, quote, Research does not equal lived experience. Folks are not trying to silence you by telling you that you're trying to silence them. And that's essentially the sort of analogy being made through the story in Donut County, which is sort of this unassuming cutesy puzzle game, but actually is saying something you know bigger and more meaningful about the process of creating art and cultural appropriation. And then going on to the more of the mechanics of the game is, so it looks like a more short and sweet puzzler. It's interesting of the... Now, the main thing is it's a hole. It's something that it takes and sucks in, leading into that idea of instead of giving, it's uh, more of a taking. Yeah, there's some, some really simple puzzles that, that play off that mechanic. Like you can get um, fire to fall into the hole to lift a hot air balloon, or you can have uh, two adult bunnies fall in and then a whole bunch of smaller bunnies hop out, wink, wink. And uh, the game's essential, levels are essentially little biomes implemented 
several layers of this mechanic over top of it. So you're getting multiple things to fall in the once that interact with each other in the hole and then create a different effect out of it. Yeah. And it's uh, it's sort of short sweet builds on that over a couple hours and then gets out before that rather simple mechanic can get too annoying or repetitive. Uh, now, in the introduction, it was known that you're a game designer at Red Meat Games. Has mm-hmm. the creation of or the story behind the creation of Donut County influenced either your work or how you approach creation or working with other cultures? Absolutely. It's one of the things I look a lot in the games I play is that I usually follow the designers or you know try to look at their process as they created it. And Donut County for me is a great example of success on two fronts. First, it's a really effective puzzler. It's a really unique mechanic I've never seen in any other game, really. It explores it in a short, you know, sweet couple levels um, that doesn't get repetitive and tells a great story and is in and out. It's also really witty. I, I recommend anyone who appreciates um, some good quippy dialogue, uh, check it out. But second, it stands as a lesson for game developers like me. I don't appropriate other people's cultures in your games. Obviously, I don't think it's a black and white issue. There's a lot of nuance to, you know, where you draw the inspiration and aesthetics for your games and your art. But as a general rule, I'd ask devs to think before exploring a setting, am I the one who should be telling this story? Is it me who should be telling the story of this long oppressed and, and, you know, brutalized Native American culture in the Southwestern United States? Or should I maybe not tell that story and maybe tell a story about some cute, you know, trash pandas making an app that sends holes to people's houses. And he came through that process on the other side where he was like, yeah, I, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm actually hurting people by trying to do that. And so when I look at different inspirations for games that either I'm working on or are in development, I'm often thinking, and actually it's kind of topical looking at that last Cyberpunk 2077 uh, trailer. Yeah. Why are we presenting what we're presenting? What, what's, what's, what are we trying to achieve with this? And I think that's an important step in, in every game and movie tv films development and um yeah it's definitely impacted the way i approach game development yeah and it's it's definitely needs to be said that with the uh, with the development it was that the hopi people actively criticized it it was the fighting against this criticism and not it's kind of ignoring it the people that you're trying to derive a culture from and it's you could see similar parallels in cyberpunk with the mm-hmm. racial stereotypes that are being actively criticized and then subsequently ignored yeah it's it's the the studio in, in poland could learn a lot from ben esposito i think yeah and it's also it has it seen if he's been doing this for years it's a long process especially if it's and especially for a studio that that big with that much momentum, having to actively look is needed, but it's going to take a while if they actually decide to do it. Yeah, it's obviously easier for a you know small indie, you know one or two person team to pivot their setting or aesthetic than a hundreds of developer, multi probably billion dollar budget game. <laughs> but yeah, that's why it's so important from the get go to have that in mind as you're beginning to create anything can't divorce the culture or the art from the people or the circumstances every game is released in a context cyberpunk 2077 is going to come out in a year where we've seen 
mass protests all around the world, people fighting for equality and justice. And they have a, a gang of black thugs called the voodoo boys who have over accentuated accents and racial stereotypes. Like that's the context the game's going to come out in. Yeah. And yeah, like I think they should have pulled a page out of uh, Esposito's book and asked, why are we wanting to present this culture in this light? And they didn't do that. And, uh, I don't know. I wasn't expecting this to turn into a Cyberpunk 2077 critique, but it works. It works really well. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that either. Uh, alrighty, we have about a minute left. So let's go with the what has been your favorite experience while playing Donut County? The encyclopedia of items in Donut County is it's brilliant. Every item has like a single sentence or less description that's so funny like the the milk crate uh is like this would actually be pretty bad for holding milk <laughs> it's like uh stuff like that is it's so funny i would recommend anyone who plays the game at like by the end of it just like scroll through all the items in the inventory they're very funny it's also something i think a lot of players uh don't don't look at it's something i point out to people who played the game like oh i didn't even see that and then they spend a couple minutes going through it it's very funny all righty and we have Literally 15 seconds, so I'm going to do a quick funnel thing. Uh, if you had to describe Donut County in three words, what would it be? Cute, meaningful, delightful. Fantastic. And that was uh, <laughs> perfect timing. There we go. As we wrap up this episode, where can listeners follow you or your work, Stephen? Oh, thank you for asking. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Stephen Riley. It's spelled S-T-E-P-H-A-N-R-E-I-L-L-Y. I also write for CanadianGameDevs.com and uh, Hard Drive Mag. So you can follow at Hard Drive Mag on Twitter and at Canada Game Devs on Twitter. Thank you for being here, Stephen. This has been the 10-Minute Gaming Podcast. If you want more short and sweet content, check out our website, 100 Word Gaming Reviews. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.